Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leo the Guild to Felipe VI. And this week we are going to be reviewing Witterick. Oh, I am waiting to hear the biography of a weasel. Yes, it's going to be great because I have a lot more information about the first conspiracy that he was involved in. So oh, good. It should be really fun. Before we start, I have a slight correction or clarification to make. I've been calling the Orthodox faith of Recared, Liuva, and that of Rome Catholicism mm-hmm. to contrast with the heretical Arianism of Leo Vigil, right? right? But I was looking on Twitter and at Zoe Love Artemis on Twitter pointed out that the term Catholic wasn't really used back then people okay. didn't call themselves catholic hmm. uh, you asked me about this because you asked me if the byzantines considered themselves catholic right at the time. and i said yes and i think that kind of felt wrong to both of us okay and it, it was orthodox christianity as led by the pope in rome was typically called either chalcedonian or nicene christianity we were at the point of the nicene creed and that's sort right. of so right nicene is the council of nicaea this is where right. saint nicholas cold clock Arius, yes. and they all decided that the Trinity was co-equal. That's right? right. So a lot of people call themselves Nicene Christians. Chalcedonian Christianity referred to the Council of Chalcedon. Mm-hmm. This happened in the year 451, and it dealt mainly with the nature of Jesus, whether he was human or divine. Right? I see. The term Catholic was not really in use. I've just been using it because it's easier, and that's what they're going to be. But sure. Thank you for that clarification. It is not, this is an anachronism and I I own up to that. And, you know, you hear about Catholic counts or you hear about Christian councils, you hear about Mm -hmm. Chalcedon, Nicaea, and what were they like? How was the coffee? Uh, Was it, was, was, was there a spread? How animated did it get? Did they shake hands at the end or were friendships ruined? What was the room service like? I, I just have all of these questions because you have all these people coming from from various parts from of the everywhere. world. Yeah, it's an ecumenical council, which right. means there could be people from Alexandria, Egypt. Mm-hmm. There could be people from Britain. And this is in a time when people didn't travel that much. So right. this might be one of their first times meeting someone from so far away. And did it get personal? Did, I mean, did it nah. break down into mocking of accents and local sports teams? I mean, it has to have, right? If we ever get a time machine, mm-hmm. we can go back. And I mean, we won't understand a thing because we don't speak right. Latin. But right. I also wonder, speaking of Latin, uh, the councils were conducted in Latin. The, yeah, the lingua franca, sure. But I wonder if, for example, the bishops from what is now Frankish territory got together and spoke in old French to like right, gossip right. about other people. Sure, sure, exactly. You uh, just don't know. Just yeah, don't and know. a lot of, I'm sure a lot of correcting of other people's declension, sort of, yeah, sort of Life of Brian-esque mockery of other people's lack of proper grammar and so oh, forth. Yeah. So okay. there are two new sources to talk about today. Oh, yeah, sources, right. good. Yes. <laughs> Now, I've mentioned this source before, but we're going to talk now about the Chronicle of Fredegar. Okay. So we've left Gregory of Tours behind. Fredegar is the next Frankish chronicle okay. uh, that we're going to be covering. And Fredegar is basically anonymous. We don't know who the hmm. writer is or where he okay. was from. I actually don't even remember why they chose the name Fredegar to put on it. Because right. he never refers to himself as such. Mm-hmm. The best guess is that it was written in Burgundy in mm-hmm. about 642. Okay. So it, it's slightly ahead of where we are. 
but but it's it's mostly contemporaneous. The part we're going to be drawing from is actually the fourth book of the Chronicle of Fredegar. Okay, the previous fourth. books are just recaps of previous chronicles. It really provides a good confirmation of stuff that we already know from Spanish chronicles. But like Gregory of Tours, it also gets things incredibly wrong. And that's <laughs> funny sometimes. And the other source, it's not a history. It's not a chronicle. It's not anything that purports to be verifiable fact. Mm-hmm. It is a book of saints' lives. Ah, uh, it's oh. called The Lives of the Fathers of Merida. I see. I yeah. see. So included in this book is the life of Masona. Remember, he's the Catholic bishop of Merida. Right. And so there's a, a big chunk of information about his life. There's going to be a lot of times when I'm sharing the information from this saint's life where I feel mm-hmm. like I'm going to have to use the Pontifex ding-a-ling-a-ling miracles. Right. <laughs> but it does fill in a lot of the gaps in Witterick's story. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I'm going to be using it. so those are our two sources. All right. All right. Witterick the Turncoat. Ugh. Yeah. Let's go into his first coat turning. This is okay. when he joined Suna's conspiracy in 588. Right. So Red had decided 10 months into his kingship that he was going to be Catholic and everybody was going to be Catholic. Right. And he wrote a letter to all of the Aryan bishops around the Spanish uh, controlled territory and said, you are no longer bishop. Yeah. FYI, BTW, just, you know, your entire ideology has to go. Yes. Sorry if this makes you have to come in on the weekend to change all your letterheads. Yes. Uh, Okay. You could convert or you could be punished by exile. And yeah, I was going to say, and my father has five or six varying degrees of punishment. You're not going to like the last two. They involve sticks and torture. So. Six right. and death. Mm-hmm. At the time, Merida was the most important city in the province of Lusitania. So Suno mm-hmm. was a pretty important bishop for the Gothic nobility. Okay. He was appointed by Leovigild himself. And as soon as he got into the job, he was dead set on claiming various churches around Merida as being for Aryan worship only. Right. One of these churches is the Basilica of St. Eulalia. She was the patron saint of Merida. So her church is therefore the most important one in the city. Mm-hmm. And it also contains a relic, Eulalia's tunic. And oh, it's okay. very important. Yeah. Well, at least it's not part of her, you know, body. Right. Um, some some so. relics can get a little, you know, like real personal. Yeah. <laughs> so Suna barges in and he starts holding Arian Mass in the Basilica of St. Eulalia. Oh my. Now, Masona is the Catholic Bishop of Merida, and he's not going to let this stand. No, 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 of course not. He argues that the Catholics have held these churches for many years, and that St. Eulalia especially should be reserved for Catholic Mass only. Of course. Suna and Masona argue back and forth over it, and eventually they petition Leovigild to resolve their dispute. <laughs> and knowing Leovigild, there is one and only one way to resolve these things. Well, he convenes a panel of judges to decide this case. And wouldn't you know it, all of mm-hmm. the judges he sends are Aryan clergy. What? I don't know how that I, happens. You know, it's just one of those things where, hey, my filofax is in a certain order. But uh, honestly, guys, uh, I'm as shocked as you are. But they've come all this happen. way. You know, and... Probability means sometimes you pull all of the same. That's right. That's what, that's what random choice is. Exactly. So the, the judges convene their panel. Mm-hmm. Suna and Masona both present their arguments, and then the judges rule that the Basilica of St. Eulalia should remain in Catholic hands because Masona has convinced them of the rightness of his oh! Miracle! Miracle! Okay, so 
did Masona also sell them all a used car or a timeshare and Bitcoin? Obviously, he it sold them on NFTs. Been. Yes. Okay. The obviously. Point of this background is that Suna and Masona go back. They've yeah, been- clearly. So but, when Rekered in 588 fires Suna and declares that Masona will be the only bishop in Merida from then on, Suna's mm-hmm. like, oh man, this guy, I am not getting fired in favor of him. No, exactly. Yeah. There is there is an old grudge. Absolutely. Old grudge. Mm-hmm. So he gets together with a few local area nobles, Sega, mm-hmm. Vagrila, and of course, Witterick. Witterick, yes. Okay, here we go. After, I presume, complaining for a long time about Masona, getting steadily more and more drunk, and just... Way more personal. Getting way more personal than they need. Cruel impersonation of speech impediments. I'm sure there's just that kind of thing going on. All right. Well, they reach the point in the night where Suna says, you know, let's just kill him. Yeah. Let's just kill him. All right. Guys, 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 open mind here. Just open mind here. No wrong answers. But, but what if? What if, and I'm just saying, what if he wasn't alive anymore? Well, the other three are enthusiastically on board. With of course. They think it's great. And, it and everybody sense. else at the table is like, oh, thank God. I thought it was just me. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm so <laughs> glad we're doing this. Well, Suna then takes it a step farther. He says, mm-hmm. let's kill Rekared too. Then we don't have to be oh, at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the other three. <laughs> Again, enthusiastic support. Yeah, well, hey, in for a penny. Yeah, let's let's make a clean sweep of this one. Absolutely. But then it occurs to someone, if we get rid of Rekered, who's going to be king? Right, right. They all kind of look at each other. You know, there's three mm-hmm. nobles at the table. Mm-hmm. And finally someone, and I'm not saying it's Sega, right. but someone says, how about Sega? Right. Look, I don't want to be that guy, but if nobody else wants it, I mean, just... <laughs> Or he was standing off to one side, coughing under his breath. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. oh, if somebody oh, else is saying idea. it, I okay, I didn't realize. We, we don't have Witterick's response to this, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking he probably thought, mm, strike one against this conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah. very funny way to pronounce Witterick. So. so they start to plan the assassination. Okay. They clearly haven't seen any action movies because their plan is... Suna will invite Masona over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Suna will eat dinner with Masona. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of the meal, Witterick will come out from another room behind Masona with a sword and chop Masona's head off. Well, we don't really need a, uh, a particle board with red yarn tying stuff together to, to follow this one. This is, this is pretty straightforward. It's very direct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. direct. Mm-hmm. The plan obviously seems like a good one to everyone because they immediately go and invite Masona over to dinner. Sure. Of course. Masona is not an idiot. No. <laughs> when Suna's uh, messengers show up at his house, Masona says, ah, you know, I'd love to, but I can't come to dinner. I've got really important yeah. church business to tell right. to. That's adorable, but I'm not a moron. But, Masona continues, mm. if Suna wants to stop over by his house after right. the church business is done, we can have dinner at mine. Yeah, and tell him to wear the shirt with the target right between his shoulder blades, just because I like it. <laughs> well, Suna obviously is not thinking quickly because he agrees. He's like, oh, okay, oh. dinner, yeah, we can have it at your place, that's fine. Suna's not the brightest bulb in the box, is he? Well, he and the other three conspirators go over to Masona's house, and they're uh-huh. all going to have dinner together. Uh, Meanwhile, Masona places a call to General Claudius. You remember okay. him? 
Yes, he's I do. Of, he's the Duke of Merida, and right. he is Recared's trusted general. Yes. He calls on General Claudius and lets mm -hmm. him know what's going on. So Claudius right. also shows up to dinner with a group of men loyal to him and Masona. What are you doing here? Well, the more the merrier. No, no, no. Keep your swords. It's fine. You, you, you don't have to take them off. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Suna, unfortunately, is a giant idiot because when yes. he sees what is going on, he says, right, let's carry out with the plan. Winter oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because the time to do the robbery is after the cops show up. Again, we're we here. don't know Witterick's response to being told that now he has to cut off somebody's head in front of a bunch of that guy's supporters. Right. But um, he's probably thinking, all right, strike two. Yeah, yeah. Your improvisational skills leave a lot to be desired, my man. So the dinner begins. Mm -hmm. And as planned, Witterick comes up behind Masona with the sword. Uh-huh but he can't get the sword out of its scabbard. Oh, it, man. It's stuck in there as though it oh. has been nailed in. And somewhere out there, Sigmund Freud is saying, you know, I was wrong about a lot of stuff, but I think you got to give me this one. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. -a -ling -a -ling. Yeah. Miracle. <laughs> Miracle, right. The other conspirators are, are sitting watching him and they see yes. he's just standing there and not doing anything so they start to, they start to like give him side eye and oh. like staring at him like come on right come this on. is a this is a peter sellers routine where yes. he's apologizing for taking as long as it's taking but trust me uh this is going to be really cool once i manage to no seriously this will be fine this will be fine this will be fine yeah. yeah so they're like giving him significant looks like mm -hmm. come on cut his head off right but Witterick can't he just can't do it. <sighs> when Suna okay. and the other conspirators realize that he's not going to do it, they make their excuses right. and leave dinner early. Right. Well, Sitter is waiting up for me. So uh, got to go, cat, to so go bag great. and I will see you. So Witterick feels like this is strike three for this conspiracy. Right. Yeah, he's like, I'm done. Oh, on this one, he is sort of projecting. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not his fault. I think you gotta, I think you gotta own this one. Mm -hmm. So he goes to Masona after the others has left. Mm -hmm. He throws himself at Masona's feet and he spills right. the whole plot, including oh. the fact that if the head chopping off didn't work, the other conspirators were going to disguise themselves as corn merchants wheel some wheelbarrows of grain to the gates of the city during the uh -huh. Easter procession. Uh -huh. And then when Masona passed by, they were going to grab swords and staves from under the grain and kill everyone. Uh, why not that was just plan arrange B. for the delivery of a giant cake with an assassin inside? <laughs> that was plan B. Yeah, okay, good. So Masona tells Claudius and Claudius tells Rekered and we know how that all turned out. We do. Yes. So that was the first conspiracy. Wow. Uh, and what is the fallout for Witterick? I mean, there is no fallout for Witterick whatsoever. Uh, I, I, I feel as though this is one of those, you've got to rub his nose in it a little bit or he's just going to do it again. No, Suna was exiled to Mauritania. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dega had his hands cut off. Hmm. Vagrila <laughs> freaks out and runs to the Basilica of St. Eulalia and claims sanctuary. And uh -huh. Red takes all of his lands and property and is right. Right. Like, well, if you're living there, you ain't going to be needing this. So, so, so everyone else gets punished but Witterick. Okay. Witterick is able to remain a part of the nobility. And in the next 15 years, he gets mm -hmm. married. He has a mm -hmm. daughter and okay. he's named general by either Liuva II or Recared. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm praying that it's Liuva II because if Recared does it, 
that it's, would be pretty dumb. Right. No, I have. I think we have to go back and take off points if Rekoret's the one that does and it. No. Considering what a dimwit Liuva the second was, I, I was going to say. Well, he did plot to murder my father, but. You know, God, have you seen his shoes? They are just that's so charming. The, the man has taste. He just yeah. so then the year 603 happens. We're now on the mm. second conspiracy. Okay. Witterick is a military leader about to take on the Byzantine Empire, right? Who is still clinging on to territory in the southeast of Spain. Mm-hmm. He's got the army already, he has the orders from the king. But as we know from our last episode, instead of going to the engage the Romans <laughs> in battle, he heads for Toledo and he storms the royal palace. Which at what point did the soldiers in the army realize this isn't the way to, what are we, are we, how are we, huh? I wonder if they felt the same as Witterick did when Suna said, all right, plan's still going on, take the sword. Right, right, house. exactly. I'm sure that, I mean, honestly, Liuva, it's just so disappointing it really is it's just of all the people (laughs) of all yes the the one that you should have expected from the Mm -hmm. beginning right so yeah Witterick cuts off the uva's right hand deposes Mm -hmm. him and then later just kills him yeah i was gonna say no no half measures on this come on it it only took a couple months before Witterick was like "Mm, you're real inconvenient Right. Yeah. yeah. If my, my own past tells me anything, it's that people hold grudges. Figure might as well just curtail that possibility. Maybe he was like, if I were you, I would have taken care of me a long time ago. Right. Right. So exactly. now that I am you, I'm going to take care of you. Right. Or knowing Liuva, he probably didn't process that this meant that he wasn't king anymore. He, he probably, he's one of those guys who just kept hanging around saying, well, when can I be in charge again? Is this temporary? I mean, hey, is today the day? No, it's this is permanent. We we've had this conversation. Yeah, but okay, but but can I be king now? No, we we've we've I cut off your hand. I know, but you know, you know but that's I got a, another one. I got another one, and you know, look, can I be king now? You know <laughs> what? Um, why don't we walk into this other room full of you know full of knives and poison? Um, yeah, you will. It's you, a great you, place. Let, 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 let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. <laughs> Right. So it's clear that Witterick was supported by nobles who were fed up with the family of Leovigil. Right. right. They didn't right. want this dynasty anymore. Sure. But it also seems like he was supported by a lot of Arians. Mm. A lot of people who not just Recared and, you know, not just the dynasty, but they just didn't want to be Catholic anymore. Right. And it seems like Witterick isn't really bothered by church politics. You know, he never really gets involved. It's, he's not... Well, it's not like this is an individual who has shown a tendency to be guided by the dictates of spiritual morality. No. <laughs> and there are a couple of examples during Witterick's reign of Catholic bishops in Narbonne and Toledo that had conflicts with their local nobility, mm-hmm. and they were tortured and exiled for it. And Witterick said, great, go ahead. Yeah, Which sure. Way. However, despite this, Witterick does not make Spain go back to Arianism officially. Mm. So we so talked about this in orthodoxia. Right, right. Absolutely. There's an open question as to is Witterick an Arian? He obviously has support of Arians. But, yes. And yes. we can talk about this in the rating section. Sure. Okay. Okay. So Witterick is king now. Mm-hmm. Once Witterick is king, he turns his attention back to the Byzantine problem 
Right. right. He was on his way to fight. I was going to say, they're still there. They're still there. He, you know, he has you the army them ready. out on the battlefield checking their watches. Did yeah. you have, because oh, I, I could have sworn it was today. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So Isidore of Seville, we still got him as a source. He's not right. impressed by Witterick's Byzantine campaign. But okay. to be honest, Isidore is not impressed with Witterick. So we kind of have to take this. With the um, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, it's like, you know, you know, giving John Wilkes Booth credit for a good performance in Julius Caesar. Maybe, but uh, yeah. So Isidore says, quote, although he frequently fought battles against the Roman soldiers, mm -hmm. he did not win any adequate glory except for capturing some soldiers at Segunto with the help of his generals, end quote. Did not now, win adequate glory. Says, yeah, did not win any adequate glory. Hmm. But despite what Isidore says, we know that in addition to Saguntum, Bigastrum is also recaptured during Witterick's reign. Okay. So it's at least two cities that he takes. Okay. All right. So going to be important. Going to be important for, for the rankings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then in 607, Witterick receives an emissary from the Franks. Oh, this is never good. It's been a bit since the Goths and the Franks have chatted. So yes, let's, let's yes. kind of catch us up. Guntram is dead. Right. Okay. Finally. Childebert, who is Ingundis's brother, he is also dead. Okay. But Childebert and Ingundis's mother, Brunhilda, she's still alive. Brunhilda's still alive? She's still kicking at about wow. six years old. She's in her oh, 60s. She is fierce. Okay. Well, so. and she was. So she married Sigebert and they mm -hmm. had Childebert, but when mm -hmm. Sigebert died, Childebert was still a child. So Brunhilde right. was regent for Childebert. Mm -hmm. Then Childebert becomes an adult. He takes over, he gets married. He has two sons. Okay. And then he dies before either of the sons reach adulthood. So now queen grandmother, Brunhilde, yes. right. is regent for them. Okay, so basically she is Diana Rigg in Game of Thrones. Well, She's, and then yeah. actually one of the sons is going to have a child and then die before that kid grows up. So she's going to be regent as queen great-grandmother. Wow. Fierce is, is that undercutting is, it. That's generally terrifying. It, it is a little bit. So she's 60 years old. Mm -hmm. she, she is helping out uh, her, son, her grandson, excuse mm -hmm. me, Theoderic. Right. He's ruling Burgundy now with help from grandma. Oh, yeah. And he needs a bride. Oh dear. And okay. Witterick has a daughter. And Witterick has a daughter. I do have that noted here. Okay. Yes, All right. Her name is Ermenberga, right? Oh, Witterick, what are you doing? Why well, would he's you hesitant? Okay. When you think about it, Brunhilde's marriage is the only successful Gothic Frankish marriage alliance that there has ever been. Yes. Yes. Right. That's Brunhilde true. married Sigebert and they had a whole, you know, a whole line. Yes. Brunhilde's sister married a Frankish king and she was murdered. She by was that murdered king's by his mistress. mistress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then Ingundis married Hermenegild, and we know how that turned out. Mm -hmm. And then Recared was betrothed to two different Frankish princesses, and neither of that worked out. Right. So basically, it, 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 to make an American analogy, it's kind of like, guess what? I'm going to marry into the Kennedy family. I am sure yeah. my spouse will live a long and healthy life without scandal and without any kind of reason to make me become an alcoholic before I'm 30. So Witterick is hesitant. He doesn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Suna, he's not an idiot. Right, right. A weasel, but not an idiot. Yes. So he demands that Theoderic's envoys swear 
that mm-hmm. his daughter Ermin Berga will never be disgraced, will never be put aside. Oh, and and how will we enforce this swearing? It's not said. They agree, and Witterick says, "All right, I'll take that." Oh man. So Ermin Berga goes off to France, right. and she and Theoderic are married in Chalon in six oh six. Okay. The marriage is not happy. For some reason, Granny Brunhilda and Theoderic's sister, they really don't want Ermenberga there. Well, in you know, get, given given their history with the Spanish, that, that makes sense. I kind of um, have a feeling that Brunhilda was used to being the main woman at court. Oh yeah. Uh, flavor, the flavor of the month shows up and you know starts uh, you know wanting to redecorate and changing the menu and telling your grandson to sit up straight and no yeah. no 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 no. <laughs> so Granny Brunhilda and Theoderic's sister are mm-hmm. constantly talking in Theoderic's ear about how awful Urban sure. Burger is. Right. Just you know, we have a room of knives and poison. The Chronicle of Fredegar alleges that Granny Brunhilda even makes sure the marriage is never consummated. Ooh. Let's think about how that went. Yeah, uh, you, I, I won't make you bleep me with castanets, but that is a <laughs> that is a that is a block, a block, if you will. It is a block. That, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm imagining yeah. them showing up to the the royal chamber in right. Brunhilda is sitting there with a cup of tea. Oh, hi. I, I see a Scrabble board. Yeah. <laughs> Just, all right. Who's for a triple word? Let's do this. Yeah. And the, the word tonight is chastity. Well, in 607, Theoderic repudiates Ermenberga and sends her back to Spain without her dowry. Oh, so that whole pinky promise thing really turned out to be a bad move. Did not work out. Mm-hmm. Did not. Witterick is enraged. Yeah, he is. So he immediately contacts the other Frankish kings. Although you do kind of want to say to Witterick, oh, you mean somebody who trusted you betrayed that trust, even though they had sworn to uh, guard your best interests? Wow. What that's like. What must that, uh, you just must be so confused that that could ever happen. So he contacts the other Frankish kings. Remember, Mm -hmm. they tend to have a couple of them at the time, ruling Mm -hmm. in different areas. Right. He hits up Theodobert, who is actually Theoderic's brother. Uh, He's the king of Austrasia right now. Do they get along? They do not. (laughs) Okay, good. They do not. Okay. He also contacts Clotaire. He's the Theos' cousin. He's the king of Austrasia. So he contacts the other two Frankish kings. Okay. And then he contacts Agalulf. He's the current king of the Lombards in Italy. Okay. There's no real explanation as to why Witterick wanted to bring the Lombards into this. No, we're going pretty far afield at this point. On the other hand, maybe it's one of those group chats where you have a friend who lives out of town and you, uh, yeah, but we're planning a birthday party. Well, there's no way he's going to come. Yeah, but if we leave him out, he'll be upset and let's just let's just include him it's fine well he is an Aryan. the lombards are ah, still Aryan. okay time. all right there you go mm-hmm. right they form a quadruple alliance to take down theoderic mm. multiple uh, alliances in europe to take down an enemy who will no doubt call on other people in europe this always ends well unfortunately it looks like there were maybe a few skirmishes between the quadruple alliance and theoderic of mm-hmm. little importance and there were no actual battles. 
Well, I just sort of see Brunhilde coming out and scolding everybody into going home. Theoderic himself seems to treat the whole thing as a joke. Oh, God. Oh, that's the worst. Which probably uh, twists the knife even more. Yes. No, Witteric is, is no doubt shriveled, let According us say. to Fredegar, quote, Theoderic got wind of the alliance, but treated it with utter contempt. Oh, wow. Uh, that ignores them that's uh, okay baller move really just very impressed okay so Witterick and his daughter are completely humiliated but yes you know Witterick still has a lot of kingly stuff to do okay you know he's got Byzantines to fight the Byzantines are still on the battlefield checking their watches ah guys starting to feel as though you're not taking this seriously and bishops to harass there's always a bishop and he's got dinner parties to attend oh no oh no why has he not learned about dinner parties in the year 610 Uh uh-huh witterick is at a banquet oh dear when several catholic nobles approach him of course they do and drag his body through oh my god yeah and i'm sure their last words to him were see this is how a sword comes out We took the safety off. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm upset with the treachery, but that has been bugging me for years. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. Right. <laughs> right. That he's was dead. sudden. Yeah, um, he's dead. Well, and okay. Well, I mean, how how long was he on the throne? Six oh three. He was he was on at six oh three. Yeah, six oh three to six ten. So seven years. Okay, seven years, but still seven years is not enough time to let your guard down. Seven no. years is definitely not enough time to let your guard down. And and also, where are the bodyguards? I mean, whoever <laughs> whoever has the bodyguard concession needs needs some competition because I really worry. They need uh, a okay. performance improvement plan. Yeah, exactly. They yeah, they they need corporate restructuring because this is not their hiring process is working very poorly. All right. So you want to rate them? Yes, yes, absolutely. So the first category is conquistadores. Right. So despite what Isidore says, Witteric has at least two victories over the Byzantines. And yeah, Segundo two, and the Gastro. Right. Two cities is not is not unimpressive. And, no. and we are talking about the Byzantines. We're not, yeah. I mean, I don't know how well enforced they are, but we are talking about a group of people who know how to war. This is definitely an, an impressive group of people. So anything else though? I mean- yeah, we don't have any cities? details about the Byzantine battles. Okay, okay. And then there's also the fact that not only can he not keep the Frankish king from humiliating his daughter, right? his attempts to pursue justice via war are also so laughable that Theoderic literally ignores them. Right, no, exactly, exactly. I mean, basically, Theodoric pantses him in front of everyone else in, in the gym. In front of the entirety of Europe. Yes, exactly. And and everyone else points and laughs. No, this is... He, he was good. he was shoved into a locker. At least Guntram invaded something when he yes ah uh, the two cities is good going up against the Byzantines and not getting stomped is good but at least he still did it you know right like he was right planning on right, doing it he took right. a little detour to overthrow the king and then right. he continued and and to be fair also the using the army to get the king kingship is is not is not okay that's fair it's weaselly. But you used an army, 
you used an army to acquire that is sort of what we're what we're ranking you on i but the humiliation is so exquisite so bad i'm gonna give him a three i was gonna give him a two. Oh, okay well see there we go that seems to be the pattern here is that i always go just one above you but i'm gonna give him a three because because okay. of the two cities and the byzantines that is a five for conquistadors okay Next, we have Nomadigas. This right. guy's pretty slimy. He is. He conspires uh, against Rekored. Then yes. he turns in his fellow conspirators to Rekored. Yes. He leaves preparations to battle an external enemy right. to overthrow Liuba. Right. He cuts off a teenager's hand, and yes. then a few months later, he changes his mind and has him killed. Right. And, and then I he mean... usurps the throne. And it, it, it really does, I refuse to believe that Liuva ever really understood what was happening at any no. point. Makes it almost there's, worse. There's a real kicking a puppy, puppy quality yeah. uh, here. So, yeah, I mean. He's our first usurper. Yes. Not okay. our last, first, but he's the first Oh, yeah. First, first usurper. That's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. No sex scandals. No. You know, no. I mean. No cruelty necessarily right no cruelty i guess what i would say is he's less scandalous and more despicable yeah um I that's agree. that's really my sense of him so i'm gonna give him i'm gonna give him a five but okay. that is mostly mostly based on the idea that liuva kept asking him in the final weeks of his life when he was going to be king again <laughs> um, that that is the image and and i'm gonna give him a five it's pretty bad. I'm going to go with five as well. I was okay. thinking four, but after talking it over, I think right. yeah, it's just despicable. He's that's so despicable. Yeah, exactly. So that's a 10 for Nomadigas. Okay, that's pretty good. Orthodoxia. This is this is going to be interesting. Witteric is definitely supported by a lot of Aryans, but there's yes. no indication that he himself is Aryan. Right. You you he get the was sense area right. during the first conspiracy. He was, yes, he was. And then he converted. Right. I guess it's up to us to decide whether that was in name only, because he's definitely supported by so many different Aryans. Right. My... With Aryans, he allies with Aryans, mm -hmm. and he's assassinated by a group of Catholics. Right. If we're going by that, he's pretty low. Because you, you, you very much get the sense that he started off as a heretic, but well, an Aryan, and only converted when it was politically expedient to do so, and yes. never showed any real interest in enforcing one side or the other. He strikes me, once again, he strikes me as a spiritual weasel. He is somebody okay. who, will, who will say whatever advances his interests in the moment and will immediately 180 if the winds change. Um, I kind of get the feeling that he probably was an Aryan throughout right. his life, but he wasn't, he didn't have enough conviction or strength of character or what have mm -hmm. you to actually come out and say it. Right. Like if Aryan nobles wanted to harass their local Catholic bishops, mm -hmm then he wasn't going to intervene. He was going right. to be like, fine, you know, torture, exile, then that's fine. That's a local matter. I'm not going to get involved. Yeah, I, I... wasn't strong enough to say, I want us all to go back to Arianism. Right. Uh, if I can, if I can, you know, sort of tell on my own people, I'm very, I was raised very much in the WASP Episcopalian mm -hmm. uh, tradition. And the way I would put it is, he's an Arian the way I'm a Christian. Okay. Um, which is, will it get me Christmas presents? Then I am a Christian. Give me that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel like 
he didn't have very strong convictions and he definitely right. wasn't going to stand up for them. Right. And uh, I do believe that those convictions were heretical. Right. So I, I'm tempted to go quite low. I, I, yeah, I think yeah. of him as someone who was uh, heretical and not even like Leovigil, full-throatedly right. heretical. Yeah. I'm going to, I would give him a one. I mean, I was also thinking a yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's no good. No, no. El Resto. El He's Resto. another one who's on the wrong pedestal, so we don't have a statue for him. Oh, damn. I know. That's but we annoying. do have a coin. So oh, 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 God. Afraid. All right, yeah. I'm bracing oh. myself. You should, because it's pretty bad. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it's so, just awful. He's very happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, it, it is, it looks like sort of late 60s claymation. It, it, um, it's very claymation, especially the nose. The nose the and the mouth. Yeah, no. <laughs> on the other hand, it's so awful. There is something kind of horrific about it. But it does, I mean, like if Pennywise made a coin, it might look like that. It it's, might look like this. It's just yeah. really awful. I will say this. You can see that what we thought were skeletal remains below the neck are actually yes. robes. Yes. So actually that element is much better. Whoever's yes. making the coins has figured out a way to indicate clothes. Um, I like how on the left-hand one, it says Witericus Rex. Yeah. So it says that he is the king. Right, right. I don't know that we've seen this before. No, I, I think that's I think that's a first. It is very clownish. I mean, it is yes. it is straight up clownish. Uh, again, I don't know that this is this is a national chain, but Jack in the Box um, yeah. had a particular clown mascot, and that is definitely a Jack in the Box clown face. All right. With, of course, as always, the English judge's wig. Of course. Um, on not attached to his head. So right. that's that's terrible. Okay, it's good. Bad. All right. Well, uh, here's the painting in the Prado Museum. Okay, it's a lot better. Okay, good. Oh, oh, you know, I, I think, like it. I think it's the first one where I've looked at it and thought, yes, that's what that man looks. He looks like a man who is just waiting for the opportunity to stab you in the back. Yes, and is and is painted actually like he's in the process of doing so, like yes. he is sneaking up on someone. Sneaking that, up on Leuva. Yes, mm -hmm. no, that is, and he's he's doing that fancy thing with the with the crown over the helmet, which is a nice touch. I, I like that. I like the conspirators in the background. Yes, are, are yes, him. who are pointing and just should we should we shoot him in the back now or should we wait till after the battle? No, I think that's I I'm very impressed with this painting. It is not flattering too. at all. He, but he, I think it's an accurate representation. I really do. No, this is this is one of the better ones. I noticed he got the sword out of the scabbard. He did get the sword out of the scabbard, but notice that because of perspective, the sword looks very short. It does. And and again, Sigmund Freud out there patting the artist on the back saying well done. That is yeah. that is correct. It's also pointed downward, which again, Sigmund Freud patting the artist. Nice positioning there yeah, too. He's got the cloak. He's got that big red. And I'm wondering now, is that red cloak, is that maybe something that is associated with the King of Spain at this time? Yes. But I'm noticing that, that the last few paintings have well, that cloak. You know, the colors of the Spanish flag are red and gold. Yes. Okay. So... So maybe that's just, that's what we're seeing. Maybe that's okay. Whoever painted that really gets a bonus this year. That was, that's, that's a nice painting. 
Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, very good. Apart from that, that's the physical culture we have. Right. Uh, he has the one daughter, Ermin Berga. Mm -hmm. Right. He rules for seven years. He gets stabbed at a banquet. That's... It's not only visually striking, it is narratively appropriate. His whole life has been a series of being unable to pull off killing people efficiently. Right. And and especially within within the palace, within the, you know, the banquet hall. And then finally, like he can't even kill Liuva the first time. He's got to do it by stages. And right. so to have the Catholics come out and just one, you know, one, yeah, exactly. First shot uh, out the door. Really nicely done narratively. I have to give him credit for dying appropriately. I did yeah. get suspicious considering that he he enters recorded history mm -hmm. by trying to kill someone at a banquet and he mm -hmm. leaves recorded history by getting stabbed at a banquet. Are we suggesting there might have been a little after the fact tinkering, narratively speaking? Well, those two stories come from two different sources. Mm. The first banquet story comes from the lives of the fathers of Merida mm -hmm. and the second one comes from Isidore. Now Isidore does say he ended his life as he began it. Okay, see see that so, reeks of that, yeah, that reeks of studio notes. You know, yeah. just we love this draft. Here's what we'd like to see for the ending. Yeah, okay. Test audiences want a banquet at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Considering we're not gonna know for sure, we kind of have to go with what we right, have. So right. He, he was and dragged through the streets. And I dragged through the streets. Always, I thought that always, was a fun detail. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's no church councils. There's no illuminations. There's no, no, he didn't build anything impressive no. or cool. Didn't have any, uh, well, well, he, we, we've seen the coins, but he wasn't using coins to throw shade. Correct. Um, not very impressive on the whole. The painting is magnificent. I, I have to give the painting full marks. And, and for the painting, and because the coins are so horrific that there's almost a kind of grandeur to how bad they are, I will give him a four. I'm also going to give him a four. Okay. Because he had a really great death. Yes, great death. Yeah, great absolutely. Death. Great painting, magnificently terrible coin, and a great death. I think he gets mm -hmm. a four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so that is 25. 25? Well, he did a lot better than I thought he would. I mean, he did better than Liuva. I was going to say, then again, everyone did better than Liuva. But he um, is as good as Recared or Leo. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, Leova Guild is still, is still very still much. still the highest. Yes, yep. he has absolutely the highest. Yep. So now we have a question. Oh, and it's an easy one. <laughs> I think if only for the treatment of his daughter and the utterly impotent response to that, he is... He is the epitome of Fuera. In his own mind, he was signing that charter. He was writing Yoel Rey. Oh, he yes. It, and and he, it just did not translate to the outside world. He couldn't get the pen out of the inkwell, and then it spurred it all over the page. Yeah. And yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Fuera. No, I'm going to agree. It's, yep. it's got to be Fuera. Absolutely. Which is a shame because, you know, with a usurper, you feel like, all right, this is going to be great yes and yes absolutely he wasn't actually that great no no he was not but now the question becomes he himself has been overthrown what right now? Yeah, um, well, we will find out next week what oh, what comes cool. out of this excellent excellent yeah. let us know what you think do you think yes. Winrick should have gotten the fuero or not so you can contact us on facebook or twitter or yes. at email at the spanish arpada at gmail.com you can like and follow us on Podbean and Apple Podcasts and mm -hmm. anything that pulls from Apple Podcasts, you can download mm -hmm. us. 
And yeah, we really like interacting right. with fans. As we Absolutely. said, last time, you've been so right. friendly. They have. They have been yeah. very friendly. We feel yes. welcome. All right. It is recommendations time. What do you got? Okay. For you? I am going to steer into the skid of the show and okay. say that I have been listening to, and you know this, as you know, but as the listeners do not, I have a, a wonderful dog who, like every dog, is the best dog in the whole wide world. She is Sadie. She is a black lab and she is two years old, which means she is inexhaustible. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I can get her to not eat the house down to, you know, not to chew it down to the ground uh, is to walk her. And so I must walk her about five miles every single day. As a result, I listen to books on tape. I listen to podcasts, but I also listen to books. Well, not on tape anymore, obviously. What am I? My mother called me Uh, up to saying that once I was talking about books on tape and she's like, you know, they're not on tape. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Anyway, I have been listening to Don Quixote. One of your favorite books. Yes, it is. It is one of my favorite books. I've taught it several times. I have listened to it and read it many, many times. And I have been listening to it and just delighting in it. And we we were able to talk about it when you were preparing for your qualifying exams. And then I had to pause. I listened to part one and then I put it down. I am listening part to two. part two. Uh, it is the Edith Grossman translation and it is read by... George Guidall, uh, G-U-I-D-A-L-L, and he is wonderful. His pronunciation of the Spanish sounds accurate to me. Mm-hmm. I am obviously listening to it in English, but obviously the names are all pronounced with sort of a Spanish flourish. And anyway, yeah, I mean, I I, I feel as though we'll talk more about Don Quixote at, at a later point. Uh, sure so I don't want to, yeah, so I don't want to go down too far, but I will say that if you have any interest in Spain, in Spanish culture, or indeed in Western culture, this is a book that you must read at some point in your life and you will enjoy every minute of it. So as as, as cliche as it is on this podcast, uh, my recommendation is Don Quixote. Nice. I'm going to go completely far afield from okay. Good. In my recommendation. I, I like to do a lot of crafting. I knit and I mm-hmm. crochet. Ah. And I have gotten into a new crochet technique called interlocking crochet. Aha. Uh-huh. So what this is, is when you crochet a blanket, you take, mm-hmm. you know, one color of yarn and you have mm-hmm. the crochet hook and you do each stitch up and down until you mm-hmm. have a whole blanket or scarf or whatever. Right. Which looks very nice, but it it's only one color. For mm-hmm. interlocking crochet, you basically make two blankets Mm -hmm. of different color so Mm -hmm. you do let's say you have a white yarn you have white Mm -hmm. yarn and you make the first row in white Mm -hmm. then you start a second blanket Mm -hmm. in black for example Mm -hmm. and you you interlock them at the ends and you you go and you do the first row of black and then you continue this way you do a row of white and a row of black but because you have the two different colors, you can interchange whether they're in the front and the back, and you can make patterns hmm. with this. Uh, for can... those of you who are uh, listening to this, Sarah is making hand gestures that make this very clear. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is, this is, yeah, this is very, yeah, no, this is fascinating. Go ahead. Yeah. So let's say you do the first row of white, and then you do the black in the front. And the second row, you'll do maybe five stitches of the white in front, 
and then you'll do a couple stitches in back so that when you do the black those stitches will be in front so you can make textural patterns as well as right impressive patterns nice. if you crochet at all or mm -hmm. if you're interested in learning to crochet it's not that difficult a tactic you should look up astrid shandy she does mm -hmm. really good uh, interlocking crochet patterns and david q orth is another one and if you don't crochet at all then you should look <laughs> these people up and just marvel at how amazing these blankets mm -hmm. are because they are incredibly impressive especially if you're someone like me who has not mastered corner to corner crochet and mm. i don't really have any other way to to <laughs> designs and patterns other other than this and it's it's really been very cool so that is my recommendation all right locking crochet that's what nice. i'm in now i like it yes all right so next week we uh will have a surprise oh yes well, i was gonna, gonna say be. this is a cliffhanger it's a cliffhanger. Um, right. So next week we will find out who takes over after oh. the banquet stabby stabby. Oh, goody, goody. Yes. <laughs> all right. See you all, all next right. week. See you next week. Bye.